a church pastor was visiting his congregation and spending the day traveling around, seeing those who come to his church. And the first man he comes to see is somebody who usually organizes the monthly prayer meeting. Okay, he likes to do that. He usually leads it, and he usually begins the prayer meeting with a long, well-thought-out, very eloquent prayer to set the scene. And this man is known as a man of prayer. He's always at the prayer meetings, and, and if you miss a prayer meeting, he's quite keen to say, oh, we missed you on Wednesday, where were you? But as the pastor was talking with this man, he realized that this man's interest was not so much in praying to God and seeking him, but more in what other people thought of him as being someone who prays. Next, the pastor continued, and he then saw a lady, a young Christian, somebody who'd recently come to the church, and he was asking her, how are you getting on? How are you settling in? And she said, great, I'm learning lots, but I'm finding it really hard to pray. She didn't think that she was good at praying. She thought, compared to that man who just talked about, she didn't think she was good at all, and she feared that people might think that she wasn't a good Christian. She even thought that God wouldn't be interested in her prayers. She apologized for not going to the prayer meeting, and the pastor left her feeling upset that that's how she felt. On his way home, he visited the brother of an old lady who had recently died. And this brother had been sorting out his sister's papers and notebooks, and he found this particular book. And inside it were pages and pages of prayer requests, all written down with the date next to them. And then on the next column will be the answers to those prayers. The pastor had a quick scan of the notebook and he recognized some of the specific prayer requests that had been mentioned in church. And, and then he also noticed his own name a few times as he read through it. The pastor closed the book and said to the man, I never knew she was such a prayer warrior. As the pastor went home and pulled into his drive, he began to think to himself about his own prayer life and his attitude and his motivations. And he wondered, what do people think about me and how I pray? As I've had the opportunity this week to look at the verses that, we'll, that we haven't read yet, which we should have done, I've been thinking to myself, what, what, is, what about my prayer life? What do people think about me if I have a prayer life? What's my attitude towards prayer? And you, as we read the passage in a minute, as you think about your attitude, your motivation to, to prayer, are you somebody who wants to pray so people can see you? Or are you somebody who wants to pray for God? Let's read those verses together. Open your Bible to Matthew chapter 5. It is on page 970 in the church Bibles, which are near your chair. And hopefully, as you read this, those, that introduction will make sense, because it should have come afterwards. But there you go. We're going to read chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. And this is Jesus speaking. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. They love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. 
Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So let me ask that question again. What is your attitude towards prayer? I wonder whether we can be like some of the people we just heard or like the people in this passage. Our concern sometimes can be more for our performance, more about how often or not so often we pray, or how well or not so well we pray. Our concern can be more about what other people think or worried about what God thinks, rather than what prayer should be, which is communion with him, talking to our Heavenly Father. Or whatever your answers are to those questions, however you think, whatever your attitude towards prayer is, I hope that as we look at what Jesus is saying here to understand what he wants us to, to take away about prayer, that we'll see how prayer affects our spiritual life and what prayer should look like if we want to live an authentic spiritual life. Well, last Sunday morning, Dan helpfully summarised those verses we've just read as he introduced them as part of the, the Lord's Prayer. In the morning services, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer in some detail. And then in the evenings, we're looking at all the verses around the Lord's Prayer, the whole of chapter six. And he said that in these verses, we see one given, and we see two don'ts. He was completely wrong. No, I'm joking, he wasn't really. And the given, of course, was this, we are to pray. Jesus says three times, when you pray, when you pray. We're not gonna look at that in too much detail, but we should pray. As Christians, we should wanna to talk to our Heavenly Father. Then the two don'ts, and these are the two things I wanted to look at tonight are that we shouldn't pray to impress other people. We shouldn't pray to impress God. So we're gonna take the two don'ts and make them into two do's. So firstly, our first do is we should commune with our Heavenly Father and not impress people. We should commune with him in prayer rather than impressing people. Look at those verses again, verse five. When you pray, <coughs> do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Last week, Jesus introduced us to these hypocrites the religious leaders, the Pharisees. He told us that they were the ones who loved to give to the needy, but actually their motive was for themselves. They gave to the needy so other people would see them and see how good and religious they were. Jesus exposed their hearts. And so therefore they're hypocrites. They, they live life in one way, but actually they really believe something else. And here again, Jesus is talking about these hypocrites, and now he's talking about prayer, and particularly their attitude towards prayer. 
unlike their giving, their praying, not first and foremost so they can commune with God, but so that other people can see them. They want to be known as men and women of prayer. How do you become a good prayer? You might <coughs> well, of course, you, you make sure people can see you praying, or you make sure at least people know that you are praying somewhere else. Jesus describes the scene for us. Here we have the hypocrites, the religious leaders, and they're on their way to the synagogue. Synagogue is just a, a local place, a local house of prayer where Jews could meet together to pray. They, of course, have a temple in Jerusalem, but synagogues would be a smaller place dotted around in the different towns. And here's a man on his way to pray like a good Jew. He would have prayed three times a day, be very devout. But this particular man is, he's so keen to pray, he can't wait to get to the synagogue. He has to stop on his journey. And he, so he chooses the corner of the road and he prays. Well, what a holy man. But of course, Jesus is saying, actually, this guy is standing on the corner to pray so that everybody who passes by can see him praying. Then he continues on and he reaches the synagogue and he walks in and and he stands, which is fine. That's how they would have prayed, standing up. But he stands in a very prominent position. He goes near the front. He goes where people can see him. And he prays. He prays in a style and maybe in a volume that people can hear. And this man is known as a man of prayer. Or maybe he's just, maybe he should be known as just a man who is seen praying. Because is prayer really going on some of the time? If when we pray, as we've been thinking over the last few weeks, we're communicating and having fellowship with our Heavenly Father, who wants to talk to us and we talk to Him, is this man doing that? As he prays, he's looking around, he's seeing who's watching and who's, who's listening. He's thinking, do they think I'm a good prayer? His heart is not connecting with his father. So, so I wonder, is he, is he really praying? Jesus says, notice, end of verse 5, Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. He desired to be noticed. That was what the reward he wanted. And so will he get anything else? Your prayer is about communicating with God, seeking his face, requesting things from him. If he cares more about what people think than those things, would God answer his prayer? It sounds quite strong. This man is appearing to be praying. He's saying the right words. He's praising God, perhaps. Maybe he's quoting Psalms. He's quoting Jewish liturgy. He's asking God to, to provide, to bless and lead his people. His mouth is speaking, but actually his heart and his thoughts are elsewhere. And so Jesus says at the end of the day, that's his reward. His reward will be the praise and the honor of other people. That is the man in the story, but how often is that also us as we pray? Do you pray like that? We pray, we praise, we worship, we repent and we petition of God. But sometimes when we've said our men, 
we can't remember what we've just said because our concern is more about what other people thought of our prayer. I ask that provocatively because although God is judge, he will answer our prayers. He's merciful and he's gracious and I'm sure God often answers our prayers even when we have prayed with false motives. But the challenge is still there. What reward will we get if we pray with such an attitude? I can shamefully remember times, even this week, when I've been praying in public or praying in small group or wherever it has been, and I've said amen, and I've thought, wow, that was quite a good prayer. There are those who would announce on Facebook that they're praying, drop it into a conversation that, hey, I've been to the early morning prayer meeting, or they won't always be first to pray in the prayer meeting. Maybe at a conference or a church weekend away, we have our quiet times, but, but some will do it in a more prominent position where people can see as you walk past. Now, those things are not necessarily wrong in and of themselves, but as we saw last week, when we do these things, when we carry out religious duties, if you want to use that term, what matters is our attitude. What's going on in our own heart? What is our motive for praying? You know, we could even do what Jesus says here. We could go into our room and close the door. But if we are secretly thinking, what is the person who knows I'm here thinking? Then again, we've got a wrong motive. Dan has been helping us work through the Lord's Prayer. And last week and this morning, he's just showed us how wonderful it is to be able to pray. And isn't it crazy that we behave like that, so focused in on ourselves? He told us that the first part of the Lord's Prayer is about him. Your kingdom come, your will be done, hallowed be your name. This is the great, awesome, powerful God, yet he is our loving, heavenly Father who we can come to, we can approach the one who's on the throne in heaven. Like that child, the picture of JFK and his son playing under the table, we are like that, the children of God, being able to be with him, to talk with him and to have fellowship and to hear from him as he speaks to us. Because that's what God wants us to do as we pray, to commune with us. But often we can be distracted there are many things, but some of those things can be our motivation. Well, how should we pray? How should we pray? Jesus says in verse 6, When you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who is unseen, then your Father who sees what is done in secret, sorry, will reward you. An authentic spiritual life, authentic spiritual prayer is not about other people. It's not about our performance before other people. Now we will talk about corporate prayer, and we've thought about that in terms of the Lord's Prayer, being our Father, and those things are important, but here Jesus is actually talking about personal prayer. Verse 5, when you pray is plural you, but actually verse 6, when you pray is singular. When you pray. Jesus says, go close your door in your room and pray in secret. Historically, he's probably referring to a little store cupboard that you'd have in your room in the dark. 
somewhere that's, that's away from the action, that's quiet, somewhere that is away from distraction, where you can conduct your relationship with God. Because what really matters is our communion with him. And so we can tell the young Christian who comes to church, or of course anybody, that, that when you pray, it doesn't really matter what other people think. Because it's not about them. It's about you and your relationship with your Heavenly Father that you have because of Jesus. He wants you to open your heart to him, and then he wants to open his heart to you. And the great thing is that we can come to God because of what Jesus has done for us, but even more than that, we have the Holy Spirit within us. And so even if our prayers are rubbish, the Holy Spirit takes them and he translates them into something good, takes them to Jesus. And so we can pray. Sometimes we don't even know what to pray, but he knows us and he takes our thoughts. But when we pray in view of other people, there's things to distract us. And there are temptations about our motivation. We can't give our full attention to prayer. Dan mentioned last week that one of the reasons that we don't pray can be that we're just too distracted. Hectic, busy lives, social media at our fingertips. But what if we did stop? What if we put our phone aside? What if we did go find a quiet place? Maybe the wardrobe is the only quiet place you have in your house. Go there if it's big enough. Now I know, as well as the next person, to find a quiet place and a quiet time is easier said than done. But maybe that's just an excuse. Maybe we need to make more effort to find time when we can talk with our Heavenly Father. We heard a statistic that we spend, the average person spends five minutes a day praying. What do we miss out on? Of the great communion we could have with our God if we took the time to pray. Two weeks ago, I think it was, we looked at Luke 11 and we thought about praying, being, asking and, and seeking and knocking. Those prolonged times when we are opening our heart to him, seeking God, knocking persistently, seeking what he wants. And when Jesus says, when you pray, when you do that, then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Well, think about reward at the end. I want to tackle a, a question just, just now about, about what Jesus says here, how people can misinterpret this some people will say, okay, if Jesus says we should go and close our door and pray in secret, then does that mean we shouldn't pray together, corporately? And there may well be people who use that as an excuse not to come to prayer meetings. But I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. Although it is good, then we should have time when we are doing exactly what Jesus says here. He is also using this as an exaggeration that we need to remove all the distractions from ourselves. But prayer is to be corporate, and we see that in the Lord's Prayer, of course. We are praying our Father in heaven. The corporate nature of our relationship. We are the church, the body. We need to be praying 
together and you read through the New Testament. You read Acts, particularly you've got the disciples, the apostles praying together, often sharing and communing with their Heavenly Father. And so meeting together is vital. We need to do it more. But wouldn't it be wonderful that in those times when we do come to pray together, that we all feel relaxed, that we all feel confident that we can pray, that Christians of all ages, of all experiences, whatever words you use, we can pray together because the atmosphere is that we are all in the same boat. We are all children. We are all weak. We are all in need of God. We all want to commune with our Heavenly Father. We're not there to impress one another. Let's pray privately and together, but let's pray not to impress other people, but to commune our fellowship with our Heavenly Father. That's firstly. Secondly, let's commune, let's receive from our Heavenly Father and not impress Him. Let's come to receive from Him. Verse 7. Jesus says, And when you pray, do not keep babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask him. So we've had, don't pray like the hypocrites. Now we're told not to babble on like the pagans. Something that Dan says to us every Monday morning and stuff, prayers, don't babble like the pagans. Pagans, who are they? Well, they're the Gentiles, they are the non-Jews. They are those who don't believe or worship the God of Israel, the God of heaven. They are those who worship other gods, foreign gods, many gods, made up gods, of course. The gods they worship perhaps are those who are angry about things and are always demanding things and so they need appeasing in different ways. Or maybe they're gods who are just easily swayed and they want, if you do good things for them, then they will do good things for you. Maybe you could picture a, a pagan praying, someone who is repeating lots of names for their different gods. Maybe they're quoting pagan Rituals and they're quoting mantras, they're reading off various formulas, doing whatever they can to try and impress whichever God they're trying to pray to, using the same words over and over again. Maybe they're jumping around and they're dancing. Maybe they're crying and they're mooring and they're doing whatever they can to try and curry favour from their God. Great biblical example of this is, of course, Elijah on Mount Carmel. Remember the story? 1 Kings 18, Elijah seems to be the only prophet of the true God left, and he faces all these prophets of a God called Baal. And so he sets a challenge, hey, why don't we both build altars and sacrifice a bull, but let's pray to our God that he would sacrifice the bull and bring down fire from heaven. And so they both set up their, their altars. And then we have this quite funny scene that goes on. I'm going to read a bit for you. So their altar is built and the prophets of Baal, they call on the name of Baal from noon, from morning till noon. 
Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. They danced around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Verse 28. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time of the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Here we have some people doing some horrendous things to try and get their God to respond. But there was no response. Jesus says, don't pray like that. Don't pray as if you have to appease God in this way, that you have to try and do something to curry his favor. That's not the God of heaven. That's not your heavenly father. But how can we also be guilty of this? I'm sure we don't do the crazy things they did, but can we sometimes convince ourselves that God will only answer us if we impress him? Maybe we think we have to use long and complicated words, that we need a particular theological framework. Maybe we think we need to say the same things over and over again and maybe say them in a slightly different way just to make sure that God understands what we mean. We pray in a way that we're trying to twist God's arm so that he would do what we want. I know that I pray like that. A Catholic, they would repeat the Hail Mary, counting rosary beads. A Muslim would pray five times a day, different postures, repeating the same prayers. A Christian thinks that he has to use certain words too, follow a certain pattern, pray for a certain length of time, and maybe God will answer. But of course, that is not the God that we've been thinking about as we've looked at prayer. It's not the God of the Bible. He's not one who is needy, as I mentioned this this morning, one who we need to entertain in some kind of way. Not this cosmic distant God out there who maybe, maybe not answer us. No, he is our heavenly father. He is the God of Elijah. Elijah had his altar, the bull on top. To make it even harder for God, he poured 12 jars of water all over his altar. And this is Elijah's prayer. He said, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I've done all these things at your command. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burnt up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up all the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Jesus tells us in verse eight, do not be like the pagans, for your heavenly father knows what you need before you ask him. He's your father. He knows you and he wants to answer you. Again, Luke 11, we saw that Jesus says God wants to give us good gifts. 
like a, like a father giving good gifts to their children, so our Heavenly Father does too. Praying is praying in a relationship because of the Lord Jesus. And when we pray to him as Father, not as one in it for ourselves, or as a pagan trying to impress him, when we pray like we truly should, then our Father who sees what is done in secret will reward us. What is that reward? Maybe there is a heavenly reward. But I also wonder whether he just simply means that he will answer you. He will commune back with you. He'll talk with you. He'll do business with you. He'll grow you and mature you and shape you. When we pray, God will change us and bless us. When we take time to be quiet, to to think, to meditate on God's word, to to hear him, he, he speaks, he shapes our hearts through his word. When we truly repent, confess our sin, he forgives us. He provides for our needs. Remember the old lady? She prayed quietly at home and nobody knew. The proof that she had communed, had communicated and spent time in fellowship with her God was in her notebook. She wrote down all the, the ways that God had answered her prayers. When Jesus says, your heavenly father knows what you need before you ask, again, that's not an excuse not to pray. He says that because he shows us about our heavenly father, that he, he knows us that well. He knows each of us personally and intimately. He knows our hearts, he knows our, our hopes and our fears, he knows our needs, and he cares for us. He wants to help us. He wants us to pray. And so when we take time to pray, that shows us that we need him. It shows him that we're dependent upon him. It shows that we have the faith that all that we need comes from our Heavenly Father. And so, an authentic spiritual life. Let's live authentic spiritual lives and show that, show that the proof of our prayers show that by our prayers, we are not practical atheists. We are not those who believe in God, but yet we just live as if he's not there. But let's people who give him the time he deserves, let's spend time worshiping him. Let's be a church that meets together corporately, that communes with our Heavenly Father together, but not seeking to, to impress one another, not seeking to outdo one another in our prayers. Let's pray together, not competing for his favor or fearing his displeasure, but let us be like children, children of our heavenly father, children of the king, who enjoy to be in his presence. Let's pray. And let's pray now. Father, we thank you so much for um, all that we've been learning in our mornings and evenings about who you are as our Heavenly Father, who you are as the one that we come to pray to. Thank you that you are our living God who 
our loves and desires to want to commune with us. And we thank you so much that we can freely because of the Lord Jesus. Lord, please forgive us. Forgive us when we pray, but really our minds are elsewhere. When we pray, but really we think about what others think of us. Forgive us for our false motives. Forgive us for treating you like a pagan god. That you require us to pray in a certain way, using certain words. But that you're our Heavenly Father and you simply want us to come and open our hearts to you. Please help us. Help us to be people that take time in our day to commune with you. Whether that is in our room, quietly when no one can see us. Or with others together. We want to meet with you and to hear from you. And we thank you for the wonderful privilege it is to do that. For your glory and your namesake.